1: Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more.
0: This is a game day podcast from TalkSport.
1: Hello folks and welcome
2: to the game day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport with me Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis from the Mirror and TalkSport transfer guru Alex Crook. A Boxing Day bundle of joy as six games take place on the best sporting day of the year and the pick of the action is live on TalkSport. Arsenal clucked. They look like the turkeys in the league, carved up in the cup, and are hoping to avoid a good stuffing as Chelsea come across town. Second place Leicester welcome third place Manchester United at lunchtime. With United threatening to end the year as the second best team in the land, <laughs> didn't see that coming, did you? Also, City eye up a place in the top four. Villa look for four clean sheets in a row. Leeds welcome Burnley. West Ham face Brighton. Spurs are thrown to the wolves. Oh, and uh, Big Sam looks to finish what he started. All on the podcast that is further up Nuno Espirito Santo's Christmas card list than Lee Mason. It's the game day. Premier League preview podcast from Talksport. This is game day. Hello, and welcome to the program. To assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis.
0: You all right? Oh, very well indeed. I'm really impressed by that intro as well. You have you you've definitely rehearsed it, haven't
2: you? I haven't. That was the first time I read it after I wrote it last night when I'd had a couple of glasses of Christmas sherry, um, uh, which I'll is probably why I,
0: I was a bit risque. Um, you okay? Merry Christmas. Very well indeed. Thank you. And same to you and to everyone listening as well. Have you had a
2: good one? Uh, I, I have. I'm slightly disappointed, I must admit, because uh, prior to us uh, pressing record on this, uh, you were wearing a Christmas hat, a Santa hat. You've taken <laughs> it off for the recording. You know, and it, that that's disappointing because we all like to come dressed in a festive way. I've got a big red jumper on. Crook's come in his dressing gown. And uh, you, <laughs> you, you had a Santa hat, but uh, sadly. Uh, you're not wearing it now. What, what?
0: Well, I, I, no, I, I started off wearing it, but I decided to get professional um, once the recording started and take it off. But I'll be whipping it back on as okay. soon as the final whistle goes.
3: Uh, a crook, you all right? Yeah, good morning. I'm good. Um, I was just thinking actually about Darren and his hat. So Trevor Sinclair yesterday was caught out on the Jim White show yes. uh, broadcasting in his underpants. So uh, at least we're all fully clothed for this one. Well, that is, well I,
2: I don't know. You haven't stood up yet. So uh, we're not entirely <laughs> sure. Uh, right, OK, it's uh, a Boxing Day blockbuster of action. A second versus third, and then Arteta and Arsenal's fight for survival. Both of them alive on Talksport.
3: They've still got a very, very group of talented players.
0: He's done a very, very good job since he's gone in to manage that expectation.
3: You know, it's 13
4: games into the season. We're a work in progress. Uh, we're getting better. We're getting fitter, stronger. Marcus
2: Rashford has completed a wonderful turnaround for Manchester United here. They lead by three goals to one. At Talksport, Sport, we've now got more football than anyone else. And it's the biggest game of the weekend, often underway. Arsenal against Chelsea.
1: We need to win football matches, uh, at the end of the day if we don't win football matches but we
2: are doing other things good, uh, it's not enough at the end of the day we are here to get results.
0: For Arsenal,
2: well they couldn't be further away from respite, one win in ten, 15th at Christmas.
3: I don't want to talk about what their battle is, they're just a good team with a good manager. It's some
2: tough results recently. Might be 4-1 now because the ball deflected to Werner, doesn't miss this time, into the box and slams it past the goalkeeper. Live on TalkSport 5.30, this Boxing Day, it's Arsenal against Chelsea. Spanked by City, disappointing at Everton. Uh, The manager seemingly tried to convince himself with obscure statistics that everything is really okay. Uh, Lose against Chelsea, and I'm at a loss really as to what happens next, Darren, because the team's performance against uh, Everton was awful. Uh, Midweek, it was all right in patches, but pretty poor. What percentage chance that they win against Chelsea, do you think? For
0: me, none. I think. Um, big
3: Christmas, b- Arsenal fans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I buy in totally to the idea that Arteta needs time at the club. There are big, big problems at the club. Lots of average players on big money. Lots of big players uh, playing average football. Lots of players as well at the club who, if. They don't like what the manager's saying or doing. They literally clock off. Uh, and that's the trouble with Arsenal. We, we we all go through this kind of routine, dance-is-dance of going to the press conferences and avoiding basically saying the obvious, which is that the form is terrible and it can't go on much longer. Um, and, and he does this thing where he says he's going to fight and he's going to take fighters and not victims and everything else. But the form is horrendous. You've got Um, Wolves and Burnley winning there for the first time since the 80s and the 70s, got Aston Villa smashing them up 3-0 at home you got Southampton who would have won if they were a bit braver there was a moment in the midweek game against Man City in the Carabao Cup that kind of summed up Arsenal for me, there was a long ball over the top it was around about the half an hour mark and Lacazette watched it sail over his head and continued walking and Martinelli ran past him and showed a real desire to get on the end of it. And everything good about the performance that night, from Arsenal's point of view, came from Martinelli. He was the one who didn't give up on the cross for the goal that Lacazette scored. Mm. And Lacazette clearly has scored goal-scoring potential. We know this. He's, he's a good, he's a goal-scorer. But he doesn't have that desire at the moment. Only a, I could name three players for me that do. Tierney, Saka... And Martinelli. Yeah, the um, rest have given up on a manager.
2: And Martinelli is injured now, which is another uh, Well, he says
0: he'll them. be fit for the weekend. He well, says he'll be fine. He's. Oh Yeah, who knows? But he, he's, he's
2: been out crazy. for such a long time, it would be remiss, I think, to, to risk him and, and force him into a greater injury. I mean, it's a very dangerous sort of situation for him. Um. But slow starts have been a big problem for Arsenal. I mean, everything's been a problem for Arsenal, but they haven't led at half-time in any of their last 13 games, Crook. And only nine of the 29 league goals that Chelsea have scored have come in the first. Half, so this one might take a little bit of time to get to the boil.
3: I guess that will depend how Frank Lampard approaches it. I spoke to him yesterday, actually, he was asked directly, Are Arsenal in a relegation battle? He resisted the temptation to answer that question and stick the boot in, but there was a glint in his eye. He knows all <laughs> about the rivalry um, between these two teams. Of course, he was very much part of it um, back in the early noughties. He was talking actually about that game in the Champions League, the quarterfinal, when Wayne Bridge scored the winner, you'll remember it, Sam, at Highbury. And he said it was a turning point for both clubs because up until that point, Arsenal really had the sign over Chelsea. And I just get the impression that Frank Lampard uh, wouldn't be averse to heaping more pressure on Mikel Arteta. There's more problems um, than there are solutions for Arsenal at the moment. Darren's hit the nail on the head. Very few players are coming out this season um, with any credit. There doesn't seem to be any leadership, any fighters. I mean, the goalkeeper in midweek was an absolute calamity, wasn't he? And that's a, another mistake that Arsenal made by allowing Emmy Martinez to go and not properly replacing him. Their transfer policy has been poor. Arteta just looks like he's completely lost his way and I give them slightly more chance than, than Darren I'll go 1% they win this game but if Chelsea turn up if they're professional if they're focused then it's going to be another defeat for Arsenal again cool. other managers now are starting to bar the pressure on Sam Allardyce has spoken openly about the fact that he sees Arsenal uh, as a relegation rival and I don't. I don't think it's too far-fetched. I know we're laughing and...
2: I, I mentioned it on the podcast the other week. I said to you, you know, no one expected Leicester to win the league. Can Arsenal get relegated? And it was laughed out of town. And I, look, I don't think they'll get relegated. Um, But I, I do think that Mikel Arteta is in that period where he's convincing himself that the world is against him and that we're all seeing something that, that is not happening. I do think sometimes we're guilty of putting pressure on managers when maybe and overreacting sometimes when things aren't as bad as they appear Whoa, from the outside. God. But I don't think that's the case in this in this situation at Listen. all. I think I think he's been given an easy ride in comparison to some other managers like
0: Solskjaer Absolutely. for example. Absolutely. Unai Emery was in a similar position. He's in a Arteta he's in a better now. position. He was a number of places higher in the table when he was sacked. And had more points. Um, he'd, he'd conceded more goals, but he had more points. And I, you look at Arteta at the moment, sides are queuing up to play against Arsenal. Even you did the commentary last weekend, did, yeah. did you? not? And even after Ever, they'd equalized against Everton, and that was because they, Tom Davis giving away a penalty. Exactly. You always knew Everton were going to score again. Yep. And here's the problem. The club are backing him. Good, because, you know, managers do need time. But how long do they give it? Because by the time this comes out, the listeners will know that in his press conference ahead of the game, Arteta said that the next three games will determine whether Arsenal are in a relegation fight. Imagine an Arsenal manager saying that. Imagine an Arsenal manager saying the next three games will determine whether we're in a relegation fight.
2: And the fact that he has said that, I mean really is an admission of serious underachievement on his part, isn't it?
3: Yeah, because on the face of it, the squad isn't that bad. They aren't one of the worst five squads no, in, the in the Premier league, league, as the league table suggests. So, so that has to come back to the manager. For one, whatever reason, players are not performing for this manager. He's not motivating the big stars, people like Aubameyang. So... I don't think it can go on much longer. I, I really don't. Let's just talk about
2: Chelsea and Frank Lampard very briefly because he was right not to get carried away by the win over West Ham because for large parts of that game, actually, Chelsea were ordinary.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if West Ham had had a better striker, and I know they are looking for a better striker than Sebastian Haller, then they would have taken one of a number of chances that they had during a period of dominance in the game. But I think they, sometimes when form has been bad you just need a win any kind of win to get yourself back on the road again and that's what Chelsea got and I think that will do the world of good for their confidence so well coming up against a side so willing to wave the white flag as Arsenal are at the moment so I don't see any issues as far as Chelsea are concerned
2: Okay these two produced a cracker last Christmas with Jorginho and Tammy Abraham stealing the show let's hope it's another explosion of entertainment at 530 on Boxing Day, Leicester versus Manchester United is the big 12:30 offering on Boxing Day. Manchester United up into third with a sensational win over Leeds and a chance to leapfrog second-place Leicester with a victory at the King Power. And if their away record is to be maintained, then they have every chance of ending the year as the second-best team in the league. And not even you two Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sceptics can deny that that is an improvement.
3: Crook. Do you know what? It was a slightly unnerving situation in midweek because for the first time in a long time, I was sat watching a Manchester United game thinking, they're in control of this. They had Everton exactly where they wanted them. There was never really any doubt in my mind they were going to win the game (laughs) despite the fact they scored two late goals and maybe had VAR been in play. Cavani might not have been on the pitch to score the first of those. But you have to give credit where it's due. It feels less chaotic. And that's a word I've used a lot during Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure it's more measured now the last couple of performances alright Leeds was a bit of a, a a basketball match but that performance against Everton was measured but, but, that, was a but that performance against
2: Leeds that was a basketball match was designed as such wasn't it it was designed as such to counterattack the the, the, the murder ball that Bielsa plays they had to do that and that shows yeah. a degree of intelligence
3: yeah and it does and, and we we questioned before the game that the selection of what, Dan James what, but we, that worked or to you? perfection no, Andy Cole did as well in fairness and uh, we all know that He doesn't normally have a go at his best mate. Um, But, you know, he was as as sceptical as well. But listen, progress is being made. There's no question about that. I will stand by my underlying point that if we had a Pochettino or another proven manager, I would see United as possible title contenders in this strangest of seasons. With Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in charge, I'm not convinced by that. But I think they've got a great chance of winning a trophy. I think they've got a great chance of beating Manchester City in that semi final in a one off game. I spoke to
2: him last night, and he said to me that he ain't happy about the fact they're playing twelve thirty on 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 Saturday because they played a Wednesday night game, and immediately they're having to play at the lunchtime kickoff again. He made nine changes for that game against Everton, and bearing in mind Everton are informed Darren, and uh, you know only select, they selected their best available eleven, apart from obviously Alan and James Rodriguez, who are both injured. Luca Dini's not available either. But this is a team that had won the last three matches, Everton. You've got to give them credit. You've got to look at Manchester United and think, well, this is a decent squad. This is an opportunity now to kick on and and, and achieve something.
0: Will they win a trophy this season? Yeah, I think they've got every chance. You look at the performance on Wednesday night and they played with a lot of hunger, a lot of desire. You know, it's quite interesting just to connect uh, the the two issues that we've been talking about. When Celso's back has been up against the wall, the players have delivered for him. Mm. Say what you like about him, what his, his tactics, the way he's handled things. They've, they've stood up to be counted in stark contrast to the players at Arsenal. When Arteta's back has been up against the wall, time and again, the players have gone missing. And that's the difference between the two clubs and the two teams and the two squads. I think, yeah, they're on a great roll away from home. They're in fantastic form. And I think, yeah, they've got every chance of winning something this season.
2: The games are exciting. They've got the second number of points since February behind Liverpool. Um, they've played a game less than the as well. They're semi finalists again. It's the fourth time in, in under a year. If he's learning on the job, he seems to be learning quite fast. Are we guilty of judging him too harshly? Do you not believe him because he's a sort of got, got a smiling demeanour because he gives off the impression that he's a bit of a supply teacher? What is it? Why don't you like him?
3: Well, let's not forget that he managed to get knocked out of a Champions League group after winning away from home in Paris and hammering RB Leipzig at home. Yeah, but, you know, the but, 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 but Fergie one's got Istanbul knocked out of a uh, Champions League
2: group in Basel.
3: Yeah, but the performance in, in Istanbul was unacceptable. The, the tactics in the last two games were one point from those two matches would have seen them through. Were um, were kamikaze. So, so listen, he's not perfect, but I'll go back to the point. No, you no made. one,
2: no one's suggesting that he's perfect. But are you judging him too harshly over the? If you, if you look at the overarching no. view from two years of him being in charge, four semi-finals, and the second most points behind
0: Liverpool. No,
3: this sorry, is Manchester of that, United. Exactly. This exactly. is a club that needs to win trophies. Semi-finals are not good enough. No point in getting to a semi-final if you keep losing them. When he gets a trophy in the cabinet, I will give him the credit that he deserves. But until that point, you have to continue judging him by incredibly high standards. He knows that. He's, he's worn the shirt. It, he's no fool. That's probably why he's so grey now, uh, to be fair to him. I mean, he's gone from being sort of like
2: a, a, a dusty blonde, hasn't he, to being incredibly silver uh, in the two years he's been the Manchester United manager. Let's talk about Leicester quickly. Leicester, we said, were up and down last week when we were talking, and that is statistically true, Darren. Uh, in the Foxes' last 18 games, they've either won them or they've lost them there's no draws
0: yeah and it's quite fascinating actually i was really shocked by their win at spurs last weekend because spurs were on a roll They'd, okay they were held by palace the week before but you know i expected them to to respond to liverpool's stunning win at palace that weekend and yeah they just rolled over that was really really disappointing but they bounced back in midweek in the carabao cup quarterfinals. the interesting thing about leicester is that if they had beaten Burnley, West Ham, Aston Villa and Fulham, they'd have even more points than they do now. They lost to all those teams at home. Okay, Mm. they lost to Arsenal and Chelsea. With Arsenal's quality up front and and Everton, who were in good shape at the time, okay, you can expect that. I can't call this one. I really can't because I think that they're just four points off Liverpool at the top. They're in second. And on any given day, you don't know which Leicester's going to turn up. But if the good Leicester turn up, they've got every chance of winning this one.
3: Can we have a quick word on Harry Maguire? Obviously, going back to his old stomping ground, had a very difficult um, off season for various reasons. I think he's been terrific in recent weeks. I think him and yep. and John Stones, you know, two England players, really seem to have found some form and. Maybe it will go unnoticed at Manchester United because Fernandez is hogging the headlines, Cavani scoring goals, but Harry Maguire has and, been a key and, part of their success.
2: And, and Cavani is grabbing things by the scruff of the neck, isn't he? Um, I think is uh,
3: that sending off in, in VAR? Probably yeah, was,
2: wasn't it? I think it probably was. Um, I think that I, I couldn't, I can't, I'm not entirely sure whether or not the FA will look at it because it was an incident that wasn't punished by the referee. So there is every chance that they could look at it. I don't know whether they will or not.
3: I'm not sure they will. And no, surely they like take Christmas off, though, don't they? They'll just bury that at the bottom of the intro. Well, I'm still, I'm still no.
2: waiting for them to uh, to finish off the, the the punishment that they were going to dish out to him for his Instagram post. But apparently yeah. he's got until January to to to, uh, to make representations about that. So I don't know. I won't it seems say to be anything
0: going... about the old gold card.
2: It, it's, it's, it seems to be going on forever. Uh, later on Boxing Day, a double bill of eight o'clock action. Sheffield United were unlucky last week, but they take on an Everton team that found their mojo in the Premier League. At least, again, I I was a little bit disappointed with uh, Everton on Wednesday night when they played Manchester United. They were passive. They didn't get going. They've been quite pragmatic in recent weeks, not conceding goals and and, and grinding their way to to victory over Arsenal, to Chelsea and, and Leicester City. But against Manchester United, there was no zip about them. They didn't really create enough... Chances They won't need to create that many chances against a Sheffield United side that don't score goals, Crook.
3: No, they won't. But I think they'll need to be at it. Um, I did the Sheffield United game at Brighton last week. I thought they showed tremendous character with 10 men for so long to come so close to, to winning that game. So if, if Everton produced one of those performances they're capable of where they're not quite at their best... I wouldn't put it past Sheffield United to get a result from this game. Obviously, the problem is who's going to score the goals for the Blades. So, you'd imagine if Everton score twice, then they will probably win. But I'm just not sure about Everton at the moment. Their season seems to be drifting along. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what bracket we put them in. Well, they
2: won three games against Arsenal, Chelsea and Leicester prior to their Cup uh, Quarter final defeat so they, yeah, but they chuck of...
3: in a performance like that don't they every now and again
2: yeah but I think that, I think that he's done very well with the squad that he's got he did tell me by the way last night Carlo Ancelotti that he won't be doing any shopping in January I actually asked him the question will you be buying any players he said no uh, well the money
3: must have run out there I mean they've spent so much money those owners over the past few seasons but ultimately Everton are probably going to finish ninth which is about their level but as I say if they're not quite at it Sheffield United could get a point out of this game
2: Dominic Calvert-Lewin would fancy it, won't he? Going back to Bramall Lane, Darren.
0: Yeah, I think he'll be too good for that defence that has a mistake in it in every game. They looked good last weekend. Looked as though they were going to hold on. Conceded five minutes from time because they're just not focused for the ninety minutes. Um, Calvert Lewin, I think you were saying in your talk sport commentary last weekend hasn't quite matched last season's tally. But he's probably a goal off it. Is
2: that right? Um, I said actually when he when I thought he'd scored the goal against Arsenal, he's now matched last season's tally. And then obviously it was revealed that the header that deflected off Rob Holding wasn't going anywhere near the goal, so it was taken mm. away from him. So he hasn't quite matched last year's uh, goal scoring tally. But to get to that stage by the time we've got to Christmas, he's not bad, is he? I mean, that's a significant <laughs> improvement. I, I was doing it last night's game, and I think it worked. It was eleven goals in his first 82 Premier League games and I think it's 1345 since then or something I mean it's like the the exponential growth is 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 superb and I just think it shows the the quality and the improvement of a player who has certainly developed it's a reward for patience from the the crowd and the club but also it's a triumph for him for, for learning on the job and adapting his game
0: Yeah, but you haven't mentioned two key words in there as well, Carlo Ancelotti, because his form, I think he had six managers where those numbers were really modest. And then Carlo Ancelotti comes along and teaches him the value of not taking too many touches and being far more confident and composed in front of goal. And he has forced his way into the England squad since Ancelotti's rocked up at Goodison Park. I have no doubt whatsoever that he'll score. Um, I think as far as Calvert-Lewin is concerned, he goes into every match now believing he will score mm. at least one goal. So yeah, I, I take Ever This is fairly straightforward, Everton Sh- to win.
2: Sheffield United have lost seven of their last eight home league matches. They don't often lose big. Um, another tight game then, do we reckon? No.
3: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, with... Apart from Chelsea and Manchester United, they haven't really conceded lots of goals in any games this season. But we're doing a feature on Darren Bent's boot room on Sunday, picking our team of 2020. Only one player per club. And I've actually put Jack O'Connell in there because I think you've seen the value of Jack O'Connell to Sheffield United in his absence. They were so solid defensively last season. Their form has absolutely fallen off a cliff. And talking about spending money in January, I know that Chris Warder is desperate to get a left-sided centre-back to plug that gap. Unfortunately for them, it might be too little, too late.
1: Manchester City on the board. Sergio Aguero with a goal.
4: He's not enough. We have to create more. So the only chance is, uh, is insist, there's no another one. Be positive and one day we're going to break. I'm big enough
3: to take it, what's coming. I've been in a long, long time. I can't be more disappointed than I feel
1: right now at this particular minute. Here comes Wilson from the edge of the box and he rolls it straight down the middle. Newcastle level.
2: Manchester City blitzed Arsenal on Tuesday night, although they got a little bit fortunate at times with the flag and with Runison chucking one in. But you make your own luck in this game, and if that old adage is true, then Newcastle deserve nothing at all because they haven't made anything for a while, Darren.
0: No, they haven't, and going out of the Carabao Cup to Brentford has really piled the pressure onto Steve Bruce because even the people who have been defending him most ardently have now accepted that The side are playing poorly. The defence has gone AWOL. And they are there for the taking most weeks. I was at Um, that
2: game in midweek, Darren. They were absolutely dreadful.
0: And the thing is, morale seems to have plummeted. I don't know why that is the case, but I think uh, the players don't seem to be as sharp as focused. The game against Leeds, uh, just to go back to that, I mean, the way the defence just melted in that game to concede five goals was was a real problem and I think as far as Steve Bruce is concerned City could add to that because again I know that I was in a press conference in the last two games and I know Guardiola has been talking about his players getting back to their goal scoring best and Aguero came on late in the game on Tuesday oh, on Tuesday night. Jesus scored after two minutes of that game. So what you need from Newcastle is to see their defenders switched on, at it, focused, and they've been anything but in recent weeks. I think is going to be another bad day.
2: And they have had the COVID crisis to deal with, and some of that has affected some of their better players. But ultimately, this goes back a lot further than that. You talked about the idea of them not looking to have the sort of motivations that's, that's required to win a cup quarterfinal or a game in the Premier League. And Alex, I wonder whether or not the players have been affected by all the negativity that has surrounded Steve Bruce over the course of the season. And they actually started to realise that they ain't going anywhere fast because he's incredibly unpopular. I wonder if that sort of seeped through into the dressing room.
3: I think it possibly goes a bit deeper than that. I think Newcastle may be one of the clubs who are grateful at this moment in time that they're not allowed fans into St James's Park because the atmosphere would be toxic. But it's the fact that it's an open secret that Mike Ashley is is trying to sell the club to anybody willing to buy it. And therefore, the height of their ambitions this season is to stay in the Premier League and, and to keep keep that club as a salable as asset. So I think they'll do that. But ambitions any further than that and not being talked about in the dressing room and, and we probably saw that in that cup game when Brentford made so many changes and Newcastle still couldn't find a way to win I think there's a couple of exceptions Callum Wilson obviously is on a personal mission to get himself in the England squad and that's why his form has been quite good but they know really they're treading water in the Premier League and it will remain that way until Mike Ashley does find a willing buyer.
2: At the beginning of the season and the season preview podcast, I think I tipped Newcastle to go down this season and after the first few weeks of the season, I think that probably looked a little bit fanciful maybe does with the points total that they already have. However, if you look at their fixtures and what's upcoming over the next couple of weeks, they could go on a very poor run between now and February and they could find themselves in a spot of bother actually,
0: Darren. Yeah, they could because if you can't if you concede goals at the rate they're conceding, the morale starts to drop, and then players are beaten before they've even gone on to the pitch. There are definitely two sides worse than them at the moment in Sheffield United and West Brom, as we all know. But do you know I, I slightly disagree with you, Crook, in terms of the politics. Those politics have always surrounded the club. I think some of these health issues they look quite striking. You know the players who contracted covid long COVID, are struggling we had this huge debate last season as to whether players wanted to play i think some players aren't don't have the appetite to play seeing their friends their teammates going through what they're going through psychologically i wonder if that might be having an impact on some of the players and thinking i don't even want to be here and so they're literally going through the motions i don't know i don't know but you know certainly if I saw workmates struggling with something because they didn't want to be in a particular situation and then I was being asked to go into that situation week in, week out, I'd be a bit nervous too. Sunday to get to,
2: but first let's do this.
0: Ah, Lucy,
2: our esteemed producer, is here to explain a new twist on roulette rivalry. Lucy, Merry Christmas! How are you?
4: Merry Christmas! Yeah,
2: I'm good, Tom. Oh, good. And that's uh, least it, that's the least
3: convincing Merry Christmas I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> She's not one for. She, she doesn't go high on enthusiasm. What have you been doing during your period in the country? Because we know that you, you've moved out of the, the, the metropolis and, and and into into the sticks.
4: Yeah, I have. I'm actually uh, learning to drive at the minute.
2: A tractor or a car?
4: So a car. A car this time. Right. And yeah, I've had two lessons. It's uh, Yeah, it's going well. Any damage? No, I was a bit keen on the uh, old accelerator. But oh, yeah. he did say I have great clutch control. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Uh, Crook passed his test at the, uh, what, seventh or eighth time, I'm asking. Six.
3: I was unlucky. I was unlucky.
2: <laughs> so, I was unlucky. <laughs>
3: These cars just keep pulling out in front of you, did they? Well, I kept stopping on zebra crossings. That didn't help. Oh, dear, oh dear. Right, Lucy, what you got for us?
4: Okay, so this is Roulette Rivalry, one to watch. So I'm going to give you a player to talk about from one of the games from the weekend. And this week, I want you to look at Aston Villa v Crystal Palace, which is on Boxing Day. Mm. And I think we should start with you, Sam, because I think you've made the least amount of Christmas effort.
2: Yeah, I've got my little Chimney Sweepers Dick Van Dyke cap on today, no? Thank you, Linus.
4: And uh, I'm going to give you Eberici as
2: a Everichi Eze. Um, He was rejected by Millwall, wasn't he? I think that hit him quite hard, but he was picked up by Queen's Park Rangers. And Crystal, he did very well for Queen's Park Rangers in the championship. He's a talented player. He can run with the ball. He's very skillful. And he's got, he had, especially in the championship, a bit of a goal threat as well. Hasn't scored too many goals for Crystal Palace. I think just one so far. Um, But Crystal Palace took a gamble on him. They wanted him to be part of a new look attack. He took a little of a while to get into the team on a regular basis, but certainly has forced his way in there now. I think he was taken off of a sub in the last game, which was a thrashing by Liverpool. But apart from that, he's played very well. He's in England under 21 now as well. I saw saw him play brilliant, daring football at at, uh, at Queen's Park Rangers. and I expect him to do that for Palace too in time.
4: Right, let's go with you, (laughs) Crook. And let's go for...
3: Esri concert. Your time starts now. Oh, crikey. This is like when you get to the bottom of the Christmas tree, you open your last present, it's a pair of socks. Should we just play Articulate for kids instead? Because I haven't really got a strong opinion on Esri Um Dean Smith obviously rates him as a player. He's talking about giving him a new contract. And Aston Villa have certainly tightened up defensively this season. That was their problem um, last year when they struggled throughout the campaign. And uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, Sam, they're going for four successive uh, clean sheets this weekend, so that's uh, a tribute to concert and to the partnership that he's formed with the likes of Tyro Mings, he's a player who's come up from the championship it's a nice story that he's now cemented his spot in the Premier League and, and certainly he has helped make Aston Villa harder to beat, apart from that my knowledge of, of Esri concert uh, doesn't stretch too much further, but wish him all the best uh, for the weekend. Uh, he wasn't in the team for the last game, that kept a clean sheet in but
2: uh, thanks for for bringing us your ultimate knowledge Crook, on I that. I have a question. Go on.
4: Uh, Crook, why have you got Articulate for Kids and not the, 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 the adult version?
2: Because it's a Christmas present for my children. Is it? What, so you bought one Christmas present for all of them, all seven of them?
3: No, that's just a little game that I thought we could play over Christmas dinner, to be honest. Will you be I've, competitive and try and win that game? Or oh, absolutely. I've also got Star Wars Uno, and I do love Uno. So... Yeah, is that okay, Luz? Does that pass your uh, your test?
4: I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm in tier four and I can't come round yours for Christmas, put it that way.
3: <laughs> right, final one. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, you'll like this one, Darren. This is even better than every concert. Oh my gosh. What
0: have you got to go on?
4: I'm gonna give you Bertrand Triore.
0: Oh the my time life now. Um, well Bertrand Trari is a very interesting player because he started his footballing career at Chelsea and there was a lot of hype around him as one that could break into the first team but he's bounced around a couple of clubs Vita Sanham, um Ajax, Lyon before ending up at Aston Villa and he's 25 now, and as a player, he's starting to find his level. Scored last week in the uh, West uh, in Midlands derby against West Brom, really good goal too, and he earned some rave reviews for his performance in that match. With people kind of seeing him as somebody who uh, has got a bit of dynamism about him. Good at bringing other people into the play, good at getting in behind, and he's got an eye for a pass as well. If there's going to be somebody who's going to be,
2: he is excellent. Bertrand Traore on his day, yeah. he was superb for Leon and another one of those who Chelsea let go very early. He had a couple of great loan spells. He did very well for Ajax. He went off to Leon, He scored a lot of goals for someone who played in a wide position, and he was he's, he's
0: superb. He's tricky. Confident. I love the way you just picked up the baton for me. Thank it's you. All right. No, no, I like him a
3: lot. It's almost like Sam picks out the players that are in there and does a little bit of prep on each one before we come on air which is against the rules of the competition not at but all I go. just love Bertrand
2: Traore because
0: he's a former Chelsea isn't he
2: uh-huh.
0: got the notes up there on the laptop that yeah. you're at on the screen
2: yeah, I just look at you just think I'm looking at a laptop I'm actually just looking at where you are on the screen to me
0: who picked the players I do <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's that time of the year To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk.
2: Liverpool against West Brom is the 4.30 offering on Sunday. Since Sam Allardyce won with Crystal Palace at Anfield uh, in April 2017, Liverpool have been unbeaten in the league at home. They've just won 7-0 at Crystal Palace. Darren,
0: what do you reckon? W- I'm disappointed in you, Sam. I was convinced you were going to make a joke about Tier 7 and you haven't done it. Uh, your standards are slipping, uh, but I'll make one instead because Liverpool are indeed in tier seven. They are just on a different plane to everyone else, goals wise. The Salah story last so, week. Sorry, sorry. Quite sorry the
2: tier seven joke. I don't, I don't. I don't particularly get it.
0: Well, it wasn't really a joke. Actually, oh, it was right. just okay. a, a throwaway line. I <laughs> we still on air. Sorry, go back. Time? Go back.
2: Go back to Salah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: A terrible audience um, the Salah story is interesting because last weekend he gave an interview to the Spanish Daily Ass and he, he was asked he, he was honest about the fact that he didn't get the captaincy in the game against midland and he also responded in Quite an interesting way when he was asked about interest from Barcelona, Real Madrid. Could he end up there? And he said it's a tough one, it's in the hands of the club. It wasn't a resounding no, I'm committed to the football club. I'm gonna stay here for as long as I want to. And lots of people kind of suggesting that people are are lots of people describing A as speculation and B as people making a mountain out of a molehill but you can't speculate about something the player himself has said
2: and given an interview to a massive Spanish daily for absolutely no reason
0: exactly these are all issues from him that he has drummed up no one else has conflated you know brought, brought all of this up um So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of effect that has on the team, whether he starts as well. He started last weekend on the bench, so presumably um, Klopp may have been aware of something in the offing. Um, Nobody wins at Liverpool these days, and I can't see West Brom doing that either, because even though there is all of the noise, I won't call it speculation Otherwise, I'm just contradicting what I've said myself. It's Salah's story, but even though that is floating around, I think Liverpool are still so focused on winning this title, defending this title, and I think as far as they're concerned, that run at Anfield will continue this weekend.
2: Of all the things to moan about, not getting the captaincy against FC Midland in a dead rubber is high up there on the, on the list of irrelevances, isn't it uh, Liverpool have dropped uh, points in only three of their last 46 home league games and there's usually goals in Liverpool's home games I think we might see quite a few uh, this Sunday crook
3: yeah I agree I've actually made uh, Mohamed Salah captain in my fantasy team so let's hope he does start the game, Um, West Brom... He won't be putting a transfer request in for your team, will he? (laughs) Let's hope not. Uh, West Brom weren't great in Sam Allardyce's first match in charge, well beaten uh, by Aston Villa, albeit there were a couple of uh, controversial decisions from the officials. But as I said on uh, Monday's podcast, this is a a massive task that Sam Allardyce uh, has taken on. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The only reason he's taken this job is because... He was so desperate to get back in. I think he knows it's an uphill struggle to keep West Brom in the Premier League. I think he knows they'll probably go down without significant investment in January. Having said all that, they have produced some semi-decent performances against the so-called bigger clubs, the the draw against Chelsea when they were 3-0 up um, at half-time, only beaten 1-0 away at Manchester United by a dubious penalty, same score at home to Tottenham. So they have shown they can go toe-to-toe, but if Liverpool score early, I fully expect the floodgates to open.
2: Uh, held up by Liverpool and Leicester, Spurs go into the Christmas period below Manchester United and Chelsea. They take on Wolves at seven fifteen on Sunday night. But will Spurs get back on track against an injury-hit Wolverhampton Wanderers? Darren,
0: I think so. Um, I think as far as Spurs are concerned, it, there is a lot of football to play, a long way to go. They play Liverpool at the end of January in the league. And between then and now, Mourinho will want his players to amass as many points as possible. Kane looked good in midweek in the Carabao Cup. The squad players that came in showed a desire. Bale scored significantly because I think we've been waiting for Bale to explode since he's arrived at the club. I take Spurs to win this one comfortably.
2: Uh, this might be the perfect game for Spurs, Crook. They get an extra day's rest. They are great on the counter-attack. Wolves have lost the ability to keep clean sheets. It's seven matches since they managed to shut out and they've played Burnley in that time.
3: Yeah, that coincides with um, Nuno Espirito Santo chopping and changing um, the formation. I s- still think they're better equipped um, to play with back three. Certainly, that brings the best out of Connor Cody. Obviously, the loss of Jimenez is a big one. I'm hearing whispers that um, maybe Diego Costa could be a target in January. I think he has a tie up with um, George Mendes, so that would make sense. But I wanted to talk about Jose Mourinho and his treatment of Deli Ali after that game in midweek and openly criticising him for his part in in the Stoke goals. So this Dele is Alli... the
2: so this is the game on Wednesday night when Deli Ali plays in the Carabao Cup quarter final. Um, for all intents and purposes, he actually plays quite well in the match apart from one incident where he contributes to the Stoke City. Equalizer,
3: yeah. Um, with as Mourinho described it, a, a flick that didn't come off, then he was taken off, then he reacted angrily. Are, are we entering bullying territory now when it comes to Jose Mourinho and, and Deli Ali? Certainly, he seems to be victimizing him and, and making it pretty clear that he doesn't really want him at the club. We saw similar treatment with Luke Shaw at Manchester United. I had a fascinating interview with Wayne Bridge. Um, in the After the Lights Go Out series that TalkSport did, and he was saying he had the same treatment. You know, every day, Jose Mourinho would find a reason to call him out in training. I'm just not convinced that's great. It was clearly, it's not great man management. And Deli Ali, a popular player in the Tottenham dressing room, as I understand, what does it do for Jose Mourinho's relationship with his
0: teammates? I think we tend to forget sometimes that players have power, and Deli Ali has the power. It, listen, if he doesn't fit into the side if he doesn't if he's not happy with the way he's being treated Delia haley has the right to say look I want to leave I want to move on um, and it, it looks quite clear that Mourinho doesn't fancy him, doesn't want him in the side. It happens all the time. We've seen it happen a million times before. I think he Ali gave him a, a chance
2: as well though, didn't he? I mean, he made it pretty clear when he first came into the club that he wanted to get the best out of Delhi Alley and he tried his hardest to make sure, well, he would say he tried his hardest to make uh, the conditions palatable for Delhi Alley to perform but he was worried about the fact they he didn't give it in training and I think that relationship over time has fractured as a result of that. There's lots of rumours that he's going to move on to PSG. I saw one that he may even go to Everton on loan uh, this week. So uh, it's clearly that the wheels are in motion for an exit, I think.
0: Well, he was on the documentary just to go back. Because look, bullying is a very strong word. I think we've got to be very careful with a word like that. Um, Because in a football context, as far as Ali is concerned, We all saw the documentary where he used the word lazy, um, Mourinho. And really, if that word is used towards you, you try as hard as you can to, to confound the idea that you are. And it may well be that in Mourinho's eyes, Ali hasn't worked enough to do that. But Ali is a fine player. And I think the best thing that could happen for him is if he were to go somewhere else and prove with his ability, with his work rate, with his desire, Mourinho wrong. And there are lots of clubs that would take him. I think an Everton would take him with open arms. Uh, I don't think he'd go to a Leicester because they've got James Madison doing very well. But as you say, a PSG, what he doesn't need, and I remember Darren Bent saying this to me um, a couple of weeks ago, he doesn't want to be a bench tourist. He doesn't want to go from one club where he's on the bench to another club where he's on the bench and that's why PSG would worry me because they've got fine players in a position where Ali would play you know if he's unhappy leave go somewhere else it shouldn't be the case that he has to leave a top club but quite clearly he's not playing and if he's not playing he's not improving and the only way he's going to be able to do both is by going to another club.
2: Uh, West Ham against Brighton is the 2:15 offering Brighton struggles to get a point against Sheffield United and West Ham are fast starters if they do get the first goal in the game as they have done in five of their last six it's another uphill struggle for Graham Potter's Brighton Alex Crook
3: it is indeed although they have a decent record um, against West Ham they have a dreadful record um, in the calendar year I think of the clubs that have been ever present in the Premier League in 2020 Brighton have actually picked up fewer points than anybody Graham Potter was given that massive contract within months of his arrival. They've hardly won a game since. If you can't beat 10-man Sheffield United at home, you're in big trouble. And uh, I'm starting to worry for Brighton because we've said it timely on this podcast. Yes, they play attractive football. They're pleasing on the eye, but they don't have anybody who's going to score goals on a regular basis. I think that's something they're going to have to address in January. I know they're fans of Dominic Solanke down at Bournemouth who's started to find his touch in the Championship. I wonder if they might try and pursue that, but at the moment it's worrying times and I know a lot of Brighton fans are, are very concerned about their their drop in form as well
2: if there is a bright spot for Brighton it's that they uh, their last four wins have come on the road Darren I, but I'm not entirely sure they're going to get one at the London Stadium
0: no I'm covering this game and I see this as an opportunity for West Ham to get back among the points at home. Um, Still no Antonio at the moment. We don't know whether he's fit to play just yet. Haller, however, the way that Brighton play is bound to get an opportunity. I'm sure even he can find that against Brighton. I know they're doing well away from home, but I think West Ham should win this.
2: Noon on Sunday is Leeds against Burnley. Burnley have kept four clean sheets in their last five away games. Leeds taught a lesson by Manchester United, but that is not going to lead to a change of philosophy, is it? They'll still go all out attack when they play Burnley at the weekend.
3: Yeah, I'm covering this game actually for uh, Talk Sport International. It's the uh, epitome of a contrast of styles. We know what we're going to get from Leeds. They're going to play attacking football. That will leave them vulnerable. On the counter-attack and obviously Burnley in the last few weeks have gone back to playing to their strengths. Very direct, uh, a menace in the air, difficult to play against. I think Sean Dyche actually will relish the opportunity to, to try and get one over on uh, Marcelo Bielsa, uh, someone with the, the complete opposite in terms of football principles to himself. So this might be a better game than it looks on the face of it. But at home, you would still fancy Leeds. But I think Burnley will make it difficult for them.
2: One game we haven't touched on yet, Fulham against Southampton. Southampton obviously going great guns and uh, Scott Parker doing a very good job at turning around um, the attitude at Fulham. Whether he keeps them up or not will remain to be seen. But certainly, I think, at the beginning of the season, after the first three or four games of the campaign, even maybe deeper into the season than that, everyone was starting to write Fulham off very, very early. But he's shown that he's a very intelligent, very clever man-manager.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite key as well, because morale was starting to fall after they were getting beaten by... Every team they were coming up against and to pull off the results that they have, that stunning win at Leicester, the points that they've picked up against Liverpool in particular, its one of the performances of the season when you consider um, what they were up against. They'll find it tough against Southampton because I've seen their last couple of games and Ralph and hoodle has got them very well organised, um, very defined way of playing uh, a four-four-two formation that's getting the best out of the front two. Uh, although Ings, would be interesting to see if he players came off injured last weekend in the City game. Um, and uh, hamstring problem, we'll see if he's available. But I certainly think as far as Fulham are concerned, I think wherever they do this season, Scott Park has done a terrific job.
3: I don't think they'll risk um, Danny Ings as of yesterday. Neither he, Yannick uh, Vestergaard has been particularly impressive since the turn of the year or Nathan Redmond had trained. Orio Romeo, um is suspended after setting a new record, I think, in the Premier League. The most yellow cards um, without actually seeing a red card. And this is going to be a, a test of Southampton's squad depth. They finished that Manchester City game with uh, two academy products in attack. And I think if Fulham are going to be a-, a very good Southampton side, then this might just be the perfect opportunity with those absentees to do it.
2: Okay, that's it from us. We'll see you on Monday for a look back at the weekend's football with Travis Sinclair and Alex Crook. We'll see you then. Merry Christmas, Darren. Merry Christmas, Samuel. Merry Christmas, Crook. Merry
3: Christmas, Crook. Merry Christmas.
2: Have a good one. Stay safe. And have a great Christmas, whatever you're doing. And if you are on your own this Christmas and you are listening to this podcast because you've got nothing else to do and because of the current rules can't mix with anybody else, we wish you in particular a Merry Christmas. If you are feeling lonely, then remember that uh, we do keep our DMs open. I do it on Instagram. I know that Crook does it on, on, on Twitter. If you do want to talk to someone or you're feeling low, then please don't be afraid to send us a message.